0: Previously on the Galactica Quorum.
1: As a character on a TV show, to me, she was a cartoon among these other characters that were much more believable. The question is, was she a
2: sane, competent star, and the story is about how this surviving on their own made her into into this hard ass, Mm -hmm. or was she always like
1: that, and it says a lot more about the society as a whole, that this is who they put in charge. There wasn't one scene of her. Displaying any kind of this malevolence
0: at all. By your command, (laughs) go out there, check out the birds. (laughs) Who does that? He's a bitch. It's a
1: trap. (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode 29. We're going to be talking about the Razor movie. With us today, I am Brian and... Michelle. And I am Dimitri. My lord. (laughs) I think he's angling for his own spinoff podcast.
0: (laughs) The Dimitri podcast. I
1: got bashed
2: for not having enough enthusiasm several podcasts ago, so...
1: We are a podcast about Battlestar Galactica, and fortunately, after a long, long wait, we finally have a new Battlestar episode to talk about. Our email address is gquorum at gmail.com, and our website is galacticaquorum.com. And we have a voicemail if you want to send us a message or a question. That's 206-350-6756. I also want to bring up the fact that we still have a contest that's running.
0: Yes, we're still doing our one-year anniversary slash celebration of the release of Razor contest. All you have to do is you can go to our website, www.galacticaquorum.com and click on the link there, or send an email to contests, with an S, at GalacticAquorum.com. What you're going to win is a $25 gift certificate to BattlestarOnline.com and a Starbucks t-shirt. So be sure to send your address, where we can send your stuff to, and your shirt size. Choices are extra large, large, and small. There's no medium. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Great. Oh, and it ends the end of this month, November.
0: Yeah, November 30th is the end of the contest. We will announce the winner on December 1st.
1: Right up front, I haven't said this in a long time, but we have not listened to the official Ronald Moore podcast.
0: Wait, there is one?
1: There is one for this episode. It's not going to be the commentary. The commentary is going to be on the DVD, but for this episode, they are posting the writer's meeting where they are pitching this episode to Ron.
0: Why are we calling it an episode?
1: It is an episode, in the parlance of their naming conventions, this is known as episode 401 slash 402, so it actually is considered uh, an episode, not just a movie. Oh, okay. At least that's what it was in the material that I received. We will not be talking about any spoilers, but we'll be speculating about all kinds of stuff. Before we get to talking about Razor, just one little bit of mail. We got an email from Matt, who asks us, how can you not watch Journeyman? They just revealed that Olivia is spoiler, and that the FBI is spoiler. Alrighty, I can understand the very long list of shows that need to be kept up with as well. But once we're out of the new apps, come January, it'll be a good time to catch up. I hate to say it, but it's just a fact of the matter that I don't know that Journeyman's going to be around that long. The ratings are not stellar, and they only ordered a, even before the writer's strike, they only ordered a half season.
0: You know what, I watched that episode with the, the spoiler that he's talking about. Even though they revealed what they revealed, I still wasn't like, wow. They're not revealing enough to me, and they're not explaining anything. And it's just, it's not keeping my attention at all. Like, I play The Sims while it's on the TV, I don't even watch it.
2: (laughs) After the San Francisco earthquake episode, which was like number three or four, I don't know, I just wasn't interested anymore. It's no fault of the show. I think that if it came out, not right now in the fall, but maybe in the summer when there was really nothing going on on TV, I probably would have been watching it. I just don't see myself going back in January to re-watch the shows because I'm sure there'll be other things on.
1: Like she said, it doesn't really hold my attention. If the writer's track does continue when they do have no new content or whatever, I guess we could go back and revisit it. I saw the pilot and the pilot was pretty good, but I just don't know if I want to invest in a show that... Realistically, I don't know if it's going to be around because the signs are pointing to the fact that uh, it probably won't be picked up. That's just the harsh reality of the TV landscape, disregarding even the Rider Strike. Speaking of the Rider Strike, there's a Ron Moore blog where he talks about things that are going on in the, the current situation. He talks about how last year when they did the New Caprica webisodes, they were going to make them and the company said, well, you're going to make them, but we're not going to pay you for it. And then he said, uh, no way. And they said, okay, we'll pay you for it, but we're not going to give you credit for it. And he said, uh, no, you're not. And he said, yes, we are. So they And they took them as they can because they own them. They own the property. So when it came time to do these webisodes, they kind of did it in such a way that they didn't create new material. This What we've seen is actually kind of deleted scenes from Razor more than stuff they purposely made for the web because they didn't want to have the same deal where they were going to make something and have to go through this back and forth about, well, are we going to get paid for this? Do you think they did it on purpose?
2: Yeah. I mean, do you think that they filmed stuff for Razor on purpose, knowing that they would cut it and make it into a webisode?
1: Uh, I don't know. We'll kind of touch on this a little bit later, but they probably did film a lot of extra stuff. And whether they intended it all along for it to go up on the web or on EVD, I, I'm not sure. But the writer strike.
2: Who's did, they who are arguing with you know, NBC? Yeah, Universal? Universal. Yeah, I think it's so silly. What would be the reason not to give Ronald D. more credit
1: for... Because if they give them credit, then they have to give them money. There's Somehow they're tied together. And all comes down to the money. Oh, okay. Follow the money. And that's what the strike is about. And, you know, I give the writers hard times now and then because some episodes we find fault with them. But I'm 100% behind the writers. And as a wannabe writer, I think they should get whatever they, they
2: and can get. I, I listened to a story on NPR. Basically, they said that... Boiled all the way down, basically they get four cents on the dollar for whatever revenue comes in for the show that they have written on or for whatever. And what they're asking for is an additional four cents on the dollar. So they're asking for eight cents, which really seems so petty, right? Because eight cents on a dollar is not, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of money. But I guess maybe when you're you know grossing a million bucks, then eight cents on a million bucks is
1: a lot. Well, it's that in the new media. The contention is that the studios don't want to give them money for the online stuff, even though they're selling ads and making revenue from the online right. stuff. Like The Office did webisodes last summer that they never got paid for. The actors didn't get paid and the writers didn't get paid. And it was all because the studio said, well, this is promotional stuff. Well, it's not promotional stuff. It's new material. Just because it's on the web doesn't yeah. mean it's you're still acting. It's just asinine. but yeah. Promotional
2: stuff that is on the web that you wouldn't get paid for is something like, you know, next week on Heroes, and they show clips of next week's show. That's the type of stuff you wouldn't necessarily get paid for again. And I think it's silly that, I mean, I totally agree with you, I think they should get paid because I personally, before when I didn't realize that Chuck airs again on Saturday, I missed it on a Monday, I bought it on a Tuesday from iTunes because I wanted to watch it. And so right there, I mean, there's revenue being made right there, so you know, you should be getting royalties for that as well.
1: right. And I'll post a link to some of the Writers Strike sites like the Ron Moore blog. And there's a site that how you can support the writers. If you somehow support the studios, I have nothing for you. Sorry. Got an email from Pam detailing some of the special stuff that's going to be on the DVD for Razor. It's going to be extended unrated edition, different and extended from what we saw on air, containing deleted scenes. It'll have season four sneak peek and trailer. It'll have the minisodes. And commentary on the unrated version with Ronald E. Moore and the writer Michael Taylor. What
2: kind of unrated stuff that they were they possibly have put in. What makes it unrated? I don't, I mean, I think. They- well, unrated is a
1: sort of. If it's on TV, I mean, it gets that little thing in the corner where it says LV or whatever. Right. But. Just because it didn't get that. I mean, that's unrated. They're not going to be suddenly saying, Shit! Starbuck,
0: You did... You know, they're not gonna
1: be. it's not going to be like right. road trip, uncensored type of thing.
0: Gratuitous sex. Exactly. Gratuitous sex. Exactly. Walk,
1: walk into the locker room and see boobies. And Kendra Shaw, topless, and on, that's not going to hey. happen.
0: Oh, that wasn't And by it was the way, way,
1: hey came from Michelle, <laughs> for all you Michelle fans. <laughs> Basically, it's just extended, and unrated just means that it doesn't get that little logo, logo on the top. So... All right, I guess we're ready to... Actually,
2: I have one thing. It is sci-fi related, but not Galactica related. You've heard us talk about Torchwood in the past. It's the British show that's a spinoff of Doctor Who. And so a friend of mine whose name is Father Alex, he's really a sci-fi geek. I gave him a a two-disc DVD of all the Torchwood episodes, and he more or less watched them one after another straight through on a weekend and was so excited about the show. And now he's gone and rented all the Doctor Who's. So I thought that was kind of cool.
0: You know you're doing something right when you can get people to go back and watch the... Uh,
1: watch. I, I yeah. D- yeah, I feel good. You're Way to go, evangelist. Doctor Who people. All right. So we haven't done this in a long time, but there's a recap for the episode. Now, some people, a little critical... Saying I'm a little bit too cynical about some of these recaps, so I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll turn it down, but you know what? I I gotta write it just how I write it. So Uh-oh. No, no, come know. on, just do it. Just do All it. Alright. Right. I mean
0: Don't change who you are. Don't man.
1: change who you are, Brian. Exactly.
0: Just because people don't like it, that's their own problem.
1: I gotta keep it real. <laughs> 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 okay. For this story, we go back, back in time, before court trials, boxing matches, and silent threesomes, to when Lee takes command of the Pegasus. No, we have to go back even further than that. To a simpler time, pre-Cylon attack. Admiral Kane is overseeing a network systems retrofit for the Pegasus. Her XO invites her to spend some time with him and the kids. But she passes. She's seen all the Star Trek movies and knows that your ship is never more due for combat than when it's in dry dock. Sure enough, the Cylons attack. Newbie Lieutenant Kendra Shaw is already having a bad day. Within hours of arriving on the ship to be Kane's assistant, which itself is a bad beat, she gets lost, hazed, and then Pearl Harbor happens. Pegasus makes its escape, and Kane rallies the troops with an inspired speech of revenge. But later at a private dinner, she tells her officers she's not really that crazy. Shaw observes that Kane and network admin Gina have a network of their own going on. Back in the present, which is actually still the past, Adama gives Lee a mission to find a missing raptor crew. What they find is a renegade group of old-school Cylons. Athena Sharon, before she actually gets known as Athena, I know, just play along, tells everyone the Cylons must be the mythical guardians. The Guardians were assigned to protect the first hybrid, who disappeared at the end of the first Cylon War and is said to still be out there, trying to evolve, kind of like Vija. Adama has seen this before, and here we flash back to the Minisodes, which we've already covered, so I'll skip those. He orders the Pegasus to perform a rescue mission, and he'll tag along, just to observe, of course. Back in the Kane time frame, the ship has launched an attack on a relay station, but the XO sees something fishy. It's a trap, he says. Kane wants to press on. He doesn't. You know what happens. You've seen it coming. Fisk! Cain barks. Now Fisk has seen the Empire Strikes Back, and he knows that when the guy next up gets murdered by the boss, when said boss asks you if you're going to step up, you say yes. The ship is boarded by Guardians, and conveniently enough, a six model, which enables Shaw to out Gina, so to speak. Down in XO and her lover being a Cylon, could Kane get any more bad news? We found some civilian ships, Fisk says. Great. Well, again, you know what happens. You've seen it coming. They go to the ship and civilians get executed. Back on Lee's Pegasus... Shaw and Starbuck infiltrate the Bay Star and take fire. The new cast to be set manually, so Shaw stays, which gives her the opportunity to chat with a hybrid, who is surprisingly lucid for once, when he tells her that Starbuck is the end of the human race. The rescue mission is over and the Bay Star destroyed. Adama tells Lee that everyone did the right thing. Starbuck reminds Lee that she has a destiny, and he's stuck with her to the end. But the end of what? Roll credits.
2: I have total agreement with you. Very well written.
1: Oh, well, thank you. So, your initial
2: comments. I hate Kane more now than I did before.
1: <laughs> I agree.
2: I think she's. Well, you touched upon it in the thing. I think she's a cross between Darth Vader and Hitler. Didn't explain at all what her damage is. Mm-hmm. Everybody in this whole entire story came from the same place. They came from a planet which is in uh, has a treaty signed with the enemy. And then all hell breaks loose and just about 99.9% of the population is killed and they're on the run. So I don't know why her reaction, like shooting her exo in the forehead. I got the impression from the treadmill that he was her friend. I don't see Captain Kirk capping Scotty because he you know, disobeyed him or something. It just seemed like it seemed way too harsh of a, I mean, like lead the bridge. Yeah.
0: Or send him to the brig or, or something. Or send him to the
2: brig. Or, yeah, something like that. But right. shooting him in the head doesn't... Totally right there, she became unstable. And that was even before her Cylon lesbian lover was... Yeah. You know, came out. That would have maybe made more sense if she felt betrayed by the Cylon and then she was like emotionally wrecked.
1: Then maybe that would have played out better. But... Yeah, I agree with you on that. Especially, I was watching it for, I guess, the second time, whatever, and... I was trying to pinpoint when does she snap to the point when she's going to just become this maniac, basically. And like you mentioned, the exo execution happens before the Gina thing. And the only thing that makes her really become really, really harsh is when she sees Gina in the interrogation room and she's like, do it as bad as you have to do it. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, at that point, yeah, I could see that that would affect her, but everything else happened before
2: well, I think they just dropped the ball. They didn't do a good enough character. If you they-
1: watch the end credits, as I do, they had someone credited as a young Helena Kane. They had someone credited as young Lucy Kane and Helena's father, which tells me that they shot other material, which wasn't included. Why would they put somebody they- on the credits that aren't in the show?
0: Yeah, well, Tom O'Pennicott was built on it, too, and he's not in it. All the
1: regulars were built on it. But yeah. They, but just people that guest stars were billed in the closing credits that were not... In the show, which tells me that well, maybe it's on the DVD, who knows? But it seems like they had more Kane story to tell, and they for some reason didn't. And it kind of bugs me that they didn't know what story to tell. It was like, is this the Kane story or not? Otherwise, like I mentioned in a previous podcast, why not just tell a completely different Battlestar story? Other than you have a few established characters like Fisk and Kane and
2: I thought it was a Kane story, because Kane is Pegasus, so Well, I thought
1: it was like a split between Kane the Kane and- story and this guardian Cylon story and if they were gonna make it Kane's story go with it go ahead and tell us why she's the way she is instead of just it's kind of like last year we talked about Starbuck how she's all mental
2: for no and we don't know why
0: yeah but at least they explained that What the whole thing with her mother and that was it was satisfactory to me the way they closed up her mental problems but yeah Kane She's just messed up and they never explained yeah. why she was so messed up. So off. we didn't
1: learn anything about Kane. We know she's driven, but she's an admiral, so she would have had to have been driven to achieve that
0: rank. But that's no reason but for that's her, her no to shoot her XO crazy. in, exactly. in, exactly. in exactly. the head. Well would- from the XO shooting the
2: XO, I mean shooting all those civilians just to get parts, is a total right. oxymoron. You're trying to save humanity and then you go and find humanity And you execute humanity so that you can save humanity. Adama, the thing that bugged me at the end was he's like that
1: bugged me. He's like she didn't make any tactical errors. I'm like no, what are you talking? What the the no? She made lots (laughs) of tactical (laughs) errors. If anything, she was reckless. She ignored bottom line consequences for limited objectives. You can't resupply your ship that was lost on her. Reducing your fighting force by half in every engagement is not a good trade-off. Yeah, I mean, like, right, it doesn't make sense to go and attack, like that one scene where it's a complete trap because somehow
2: some intel got out. And so she wages war on these Cylons, which outnumber them, whatever, yeah, you four know. Four to one. What is that? It's four to one. Four to one. If you wanted to save resources, you pack up and you jump out. It, it totally didn't make sense. And matter. then even tactically
1: just, with the civilians, it's like, why leave the civilians to die? I think the
2: only reason... aren't
1: able-bodied civilians potential soldiers. Like, either got young kids or young, they could. And it's not like the Pegasus had a full complement of crew. They lost more than a quarter. I mean, but,
2: but like, what was the point of? She said it on the mic when she talked to everybody. she's like, "We're going to wage war against our enemy." Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. And then at dinner, she said, "Well, not really that crazy." Mm-hmm. And then she flips back to uh, actually being crazy and attacking the relay
1: station, and then she kills all the civilians. So it didn't make any sense to me. Like she saw the civilians as a hindrance when again it would have been anything to bring on a few of them into the Pegasus. They could learn a role, they could take up positions where people that were lost. And they had a vacancy of seven hundred people on Pegasus. And even if like some of the ships are slow, as we've sadly learned in our own time, a ship can be used as a weapon. You could have a ship that's somewhat autopiloted, and you could like have an extra ship that's just all right, send it towards that base star. And use that as a, a massive torpedo. I mean, it could be used as, as a weapon.
2: Yeah. I think the whole entire civilian thing was... <laughs> this is ridiculous. The whole entire civilian thing was created specifically so that Kendra Shaw could detonate the nuke at the end. Mm. They had to make her They had to roll. make her a key role at the yeah. end so she could talk to the Oracle or whatever, the hybrid, who would then say something about Starbuck. That's the only thing I could think of is that's why they did it. Mm. Because... After they killed the civilians, and they said, "Go wary." Uh, the rest of the ships are going to comply. They never touched on it again. They never said, "Oh, thank God, we got a new FTL drive off of the catering Well, they say that ship. during the
0: series because some of the civilians actually do end up on the Pegasus. No, I
2: know, but I'm just. But this is a standalone movie. Well, I mean, not really. Well, the way they introduced the movie and the, and the characters, I think that you know people could watch this movie who haven't watched the series
0: and Admittedly, still get a lot of it. It is a little odd that, I guess, the time period that Kendra is supposed to be working on the Pegasus with Lee, Mm -hmm. she's not in the series.
1: Yeah. Isn't
0: that a little odd? It's like they threw this extra person in. She was the XO. Right. And yet she's not. I guess it was was, a really,
1: really short time frame.
0: Apparently. Like, within the first two minutes.
1: But just going back to something (laughs) Michelle said about the XO. Dimitri said this, too. Your XO refuses an order. You don't kill him. You send him to the brig. Because you're already losing pilots and military hardware, and now you've just killed a high-level officer probably has tactical training. And by the way, he's the only one who deduced that it was a trap. Yeah, you know, and you just killed the guy that made that assertion. It's and a trap. It's a trap. <laughs> Boom. So So, uh, I guess going back to uh, Kane again, you know, what did we learn about Kane? Nothing. Nothing other than the fact that apparently she's a lesbian. And yeah. I sure t- original. And I'm yeah. not sure why they want to. I'm talking about the producers. Why have the one really openly Maybe gay character to- on your show be a homicidal maniac?
0: <laughs> Maybe you know? they wanted to give some sort of reason as to why she was so cruel to Gina.
1: I know what you're
2: saying, right? Just with issues in, in the world now and gay issues and stuff. But I don't think they really thought about that, making. Like in Heroes, there aren't any positive role model women. I don't think they really thought about, oh, we're going to make the gay person a crazy person.
1: Well, they got plenty of positive women on the show. But for some reason, this, and then especially Dama's comment at the end, like, well, you don't have children, so men don't understand. Like, to me, that was like a sideways kind of slap back at Kane. Like, well, she doesn't have children because she's a lesbian. I don't know. It just seemed really odd coming from the show to me.
0: I was a little surprised they did that as well. But of course, it was probably every guy's fantasy come true.
1: No, no, really? But, yeah,
0: yeah. But what about but Gina being? A, no, oh, okay.
2: The prospect of them being a couple didn't spur me on in any way.
0: Some people might disagree because
2: I hate Kane.
0: Oh, I know. Well, that's the so, thing. You hate her. Some people enjoy the character. They think she's a great character.
2: Well, what's to enjoy? Because I don't know. What you say some people enjoy her character. Where have you heard that or read that?
0: Uh, two of our fans have written in saying that they like the Kane character. Well, Back in the day when the Pegasus was still around, well, I, I guess
2: I would like be, to hear what their I like to see. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd like to see now after we've seen this. Do they still find her to be as appealing a character now that she seems less appealing? She's appealing maybe like Darth Vader, but unappealing like Hitler. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was consistent the way they had Gina six B following the prototype of that model where she seeks out the person who can give her the most access to what she needs. yeah, That was a good consistency there. So I had no problem with that. It just, oh,
0: I have a question about the uh, the six. Hmm? How come they sent a six over on the raiding party? Since when did they send a human Cylons over with raiding parties?
1: I kind of alluded to this a little bit in the recap. Was uh, The whole reason was so that Shaw could say, oh, that's her. Because think about it. They're going to blow the airlocks. And kill the air. Oh, well, that's going to affect the six so model she, too. So why put her on the ship when you're just going to blow it? Yeah. Maybe they put her on the ship so that she could get the other six model off. But why not get us in just to do that? Just one other thing about Kane. I, this is the level of detail and that I watch these episodes. When she was on the treadmill, she was reading that report. And I freeze-framed it. And it said, readiness drill scores have dropped 12%. Fatigue and morale, which morale was spelled wrong, by the way. It was moral, not morale, (laughs) appears to be factors. The PA should get uh, slapped on the wrist for that. The Canadian. Oh, Maybe they spell it differently in Canada. You're right. Uh, Fatigue and morale appear to be factors. New recruits are not scoring as high as previous classes. And there's a couple other things like that that said, I think it jumped out at me, is fatigue and morale appear to be factors. Apparently, she's running her ship pretty tough. And it makes me wonder again if she was such a brilliant officer to have risen the ranks even before the attack, she seems to be driving her crew too hard and not really deserving of the rank.
2: Right. If it's peacetime, why are you? Even if them she's into the even if
0: she's drilling our team or her crew really hard, she's getting the rank because it's it's showing results.
1: Yeah, but they're not. See, that's th- that's the problem. Training viewed as non essential has dropped off by forty percent. Essential training is down twenty two percent from twenty previous cycles. Training scores have decreased a similar amount. And of course, this is just a throwaway piece of paper that they stuck on the treadmill. But somebody wrote it and someone put it up there.
0: Well, in previous times, I'm sure it showed results. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. She's a brute, anyways. Right.
1: Okay. I am officially done with Kane. I don't think I ever. After this, we are not bringing up Kane. Can we all agree on that? Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, for those that like Kane's character, unless we need but... to
1: uh, also, oh, uh, compare her to something. Well, I will say part. this. I want. I want people to send us. All their thoughts, opinions about the episode. Send us email. Send us voicemails. You know, if you want to bring up stuff and argue with us or agree with us, please do because we well, really want to hear it.
2: I mean, really, this is—if you look at this as a documentary on Kane, it's like the History Channel having a documentary on Mussolini or something. Evil human being did awful things, but still, they write about. But they just didn't touch on her. Well, rock, and the fact of her, the matter is, this we,
0: we all went into watching this not liking her to begin with. So it was sort of just another tick off that, hey, yeah, we don't like her. So for those it, it, that went into watching it liking the character, I'd like to know what they think of her now.
2: Yeah, that's actually a good point.
1: All right, I'm done with talking about Kane. Let's talk about some of the more...
0: Kane's a bitch.
1: Let's talk about the more recent Pegasus instead of the Kane kept Pegasus. The
0: Lee Pegasus. I
1: actually, Lee was less annoying to me in this episode. In fact, he wasn't annoying to me at all. I guess when someone else is being insubordinate, he's okay. <laughs> Yeah, because he was okay with me. I didn't. He didn't bug me at all.
2: But yeah, I, I agree. Like in the, the description at the beginning, his dad goes along because he had a stake in this. This stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because the whole entire war, everybody had a stake in it. Everybody was somewhere. You know, it's not like just because he was on a planet where they butchered some people to create some sort of hybrid machine that 40 years later, somehow that experiment 40 years ago, Adama was involved in in any way. I mean.
0: All he, was, he did was he,
2: see it. He, all he did was see it. He was in the room for about 10 minutes, and then he ran outside and, and made a call and then shut off his beacon, and they picked him up, I'm sure, right? Yeah. He wasn't He it wasn't is. held captive. He didn't. Yeah. Wait, what's your connection?
0: Other than letting those people out. That was about it. It's because he's a Cylon. If
2: anything, <laughs> the reason he's going along is because he didn't tell anybody that there were human Cylons. Right. And so he feels guilty, and he wants to go and kick some Cylon ass.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mainly was just so he could be there and delay his son's order to nuke them, and, and then I don't understand
2: why, when they're on that Cylon base star and they have to let the nuke go, you know, by hand. I didn't understand why he picked uh, Starbuck. Yeah, it made I, no sense. I had that it had the same a, reaction. It wasn't.
1: It didn't make any sense because if you're going to have someone do what's basically a suicide mission, you have five people on a mission. One of them is your CAG, your best pilot in the entire fleet. I will say the next three of them are red shirts who basically you could replace at a drop of a hat.
2: Like the girl with who? the blonde hair, the ponytail who was carrying the nuke like, and she was working with it. She should have been. Yeah, so who you would, stay would you pick? Pick
1: the one who's most
2: replaceable to do it. Or you pick your XO because she's already shot. She's the XO.
1: She's in command. Yeah. Lee should have said, Kendra, you stay. Yeah. Should have been like, uh, is she cognizant enough to push a button? Yes, she stays. Or... Is she slipping out of consciousness? Can't do it? Okay. Uh, Private Jones. Blonde hair, ponytail. You do it. You're staying. CAG, best pilot in the fleet. Get your ass back here.
2: Yeah. That's exactly it. That's the best tactical thing. You
1: leave the nuke
2: experienced person with the nuke to detonate the nuke, which is something that you can be taught in a classroom. But the best pilot that you have, you can't kill your best pilot. Just like Kane was wrong to have killed her XO friend who saw the trap coming.
0: So can we chat about the uh, hybrid? Sure, sure. And that whole leading up to the hybrid thing, because one, how come Athena just throws out this like thing in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the story, saying, "Oh yeah, by the way, there are these guardians," <laughs> and they're like, "What?" Well, I mean, well,
1: that's like what I was talking about the the last brain podcast, dump thing. yeah, where. I hope that she does a intel dump of all this stuff. And, okay, maybe the Guardians are kind of obscure. It's kind of like this almost rumor that they even exist. So maybe she didn't bring it up before. But if she knows about them, then she damn well knows about the final five. And so, again, it better not be a surprise.
0: Okay, and I don't understand. I was talking to Ted about this, too. And he said just to bring it up in the podcast because he didn't get it either. <laughs> I don't understand what the hell the hybrids are. And I don't get why this one was so damn important.
1: And why is it so old? Apparently yeah. it's aged, because otherwise they just created one that was really old. Is well, he
0: like the step between the Centurions and the Final Five? No. And that's why Ty no. ages? The way she and- said
1: Athena said it was, they were a step between them, but it was a evolutionary dead end. In other words, they tried this, didn't work, so the actual relationship between Centurions and Skinjobs is a different path. Like, if you look at human ancestry, and I'm no geneticist or whatever, if you go between humans, homo sapiens, and, like, you go down the line, there's a couple lines that were split, and then they went off, and they don't, they just ended, they never connected. So you could say that uh, this hybrid line was the first, but ultimately they never advanced on that line. They abandoned it and tried something new. But, But they didn't advance Physically, but clearly they're advanced mentally because he knows about
2: Starbuck and he knows, I mean, he's like spewing, you know, prophecies type stuff. Yeah, this
1: hybrid seemed a lot more uh, lucid than the other ones that we've seen. They're just gibberish. He reminded me very much of that chick from uh, Minority Report.
0: That's exactly what they remind me of. I mean, with that hybrid that was on the base star, the chick hybrid. Right. But it kind of
1: makes me wonder, like, it somewhat diminishes the purposes of the Minisodes because the whole thing about Adama finding this facility, look what they're doing. Oh, they just took off with what they've learned. Well, they took off and apparently they got lost. I took it as they found what they needed to start making skin jobs. So they took off and said, okay, now we can sign a deal with the humans and we'll bide our time for a while. And that makes sense. But now it sounds like they took off and then they got lost. Meanwhile, the Cylons signed a treaty and it was like, oh, we just lost our research. I guess we got to start over. I mean, it kind of diminishes it, doesn't it?
0: Yeah.
1: And meanwhile, this Bay Star, which kind of looks like a new base Star, but kind of doesn't. It's kind of like, I guess, a, a beta version. They obviously were paying a lot of nods to the original series. Like they had the Cylons, the, the old triple
2: seat Cylon. By the way, that was the best scene. <laughs> that was the best scene in the whole movie. And I told Jen while we were watching it, I said, that is... Just made my day when the two sewer ones are oh, flying yeah. and the golden oh, yeah. ones in the back, and he's talking with that Cylon voice. That was the best. Yeah. I loved it. I was like,
0: yeah, yeah. I fell off the couch. I really fell off the couch. Say that again. No. Come on, do it, do it. <laughs> Can't now. Do it By your command. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if about the old series too, like. Say, like, why do some fighters only have one pilot and some have three? I guess the three is, like, the command of the squadron or something. You know what I remember? The CAG, yeah. (laughs) I
0: remember an episode of the old Battlestar Galactica, because I tried watching it and I couldn't take it. (laughs) (laughs) I watched an episode where there were two Cylons sitting in the front seat, and Baltar was sitting in the back seat in the middle, and he's, like, talking to them, and then he's talking (laughs) to the Galactica over the screen, and I'm like, this is just cheesy. What was my other thing about the hybrid? When he says the stuff about Starbuck... That, to me, like convinces me that Starbuck is not a final five. Did anybody else feel that way, too? Or is it just me? I'm going to
1: just throw something out. To me, the one thing that we can pull out of this episode, if you ignore everything else, and the one thing that will tie this into season four is the hybrid's pronouncement that Starbuck is the end of the human race. Here's exactly what he said. He said, Cara Thrace will lead the human race to its end. She's the herald of the apocalypse, the harbinger of death. That's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> yeah. She obviously has a destiny, but for what? Now, the thing I would bring up, just throwing it out there, I don't know if I believe it, but what if Kendra Shaw is the fifth silent? I kind of hope that one of the fifth silent is already dead. She would fill that qualification. She never came in contact with the other four. Her mother died of cancer, just like Starbucks did. She scans the wireless. Notice that Starbucks says she does the same thing. And they'd had that little wall sound effect when they were listening to the radio. Obviously, Starbuck has some kind of Cylon connection, whether it's Final Four or not. But when she goes to detonate the nuke by herself, and Starbuck says, why? And Shaw says, you know why. And you could read it as, because I'm a bad person, or I did this or that. But it could be like, on some level, I know you've got a destiny, and maybe you know I've got one too. Oh, and
0: man. then the
1: hybrid knew her as she walked in. Of course, the hybrid who seems to know everything. But I don't know. I'm just throwing that out. If you keep on comparing her to Starbuck and you think that she's
2: uh, the final five, then why wouldn't Starbuck be the fifth? Because
1: I, like like Michelle says, I kind of think she's some sort of connection to the Cylons in some way. Maybe it's not like as a direct link as being a final five, but there is some connection there.
2: Can I tell you something? Please. I don't really give a shit (laughs) who the fifth Cylon is. I really don't. I don't really care. Maybe we do it just too much emphasis on who the final Cylon is. I well, mean, I was, it's like the entire show has all of a sudden turned into who the fifth Cylon is. I mean, where it started off being, are they going to find yeah, Earth? Right. I mean, there was like this whole like Earth and then they went to that planet
1: and then the chief couldn't see what was right in front of him. Right. And I and, felt and that way last season with just the final five in general. I'm like, you know, it's great that they have this final five thing, but that to me is It isn't. doesn't have to be the the it, only story. Every episode was ooh, so-and-so did this on this episode. Is that a clue? And I just got tired of it. Now, they got rid of four, which is great. And although I don't like some of the four that they chose. Now there's still one left, and until they finally get it out there, there's still going to be the same speculation. I'm a little uh, weary about the fourth
2: season. I hope it's not just one monster mystery. I I kind of would like some small stories that either get wrapped up in one episode or in two episodes. Like before Starbuck went back, she got the arrow, you know, she went to the planet, there was rebellion there, there there was like little stories going on. If it's just about the fifth Cylon.
1: Supposedly, Ron Moore said that they're going to reveal the fifth one pretty early on, like prior to the mid-season break, which they just finished filming.
2: And then the other thing, too, is like, forget about the fifth one. Let's just forget about that. What's going to happen with the four? I mean, so they've, they've come to think that they're Cylons because they all hear this song and they're all there together. And they're like, oh, my God, we're Cylons. I mean, are they going to just status quo, just keep on doing what they've been doing and just kind of like ignore the fact that they're Cylons? Or are they going to accept that they're Cylons and then somehow use what they know to help the human race to get rid of the other Cylons? Or are they going to just say, okay, well, we're Cylons. That means we're inherently bad. So are they going to just like go to the gun storage locker and walk through the from the back of the ship to the front killing everybody? Now we have these four right. Cylons, and they're big characters, big names, important roles in the ship. What are they going to do? They open a restaurant. <laughs>
1: the final five. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny we talk about this final fives, like you're saying, and lost throughout all of this is we seem to have forgotten that part of the cliffhanger was, by the way, the ships are dead in the water and the Cylons are attacking. Yeah, and we've totally not mentioned that in months. There was like, a cliffhanger. So, yeah, we were so. <laughs> it was a big war.
0: There was?
1: <laughs> like, whatever happened to that? That used to be the
2: show. Remember it's like, oh whole, my god, Remember that whole essay I wrote about one Milky Way to another, which was trashed by our scientific
0: viewers?
2: <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Uh, That's why I went to art school.
0: Oh, yeah. Their electricity was knocked out and everything. Right. You remember oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember now?
2: <laughs> that? Ring a bell?
0: It does.
2: What would the silence do if there were no humans? I mean, it seems like their driving force from the beginning has been to eradicate humans. Well, they are no fighting. humans.
0: They wouldn't be around in the first place. But
2: Okay, forget about that, though. I mean, that's like, you know, the student kills the sensei or something. That's, <laughs> but let's say, what if they get rid of the Galactica right here and all the ragtag fleet? Then what?
1: I think that they need them to help them find Earth. I think on some so level... Why
2: would you then continuously attack them and... I don't know. That's something they need to explore. Pretend you're a Cylon for this conversation. Put yourself into a Cylon's metal bucket, but. <laughs> tell me why. Just follow them. Stick a yeah. the little beacon thing.
0: Well, maybe they're doing it just because they want the Galactica to run. They want the Galactica to How do you feel run need- when you're
2: stuck in the water? No, no. Quote unquote.
0: Forgetting that, they need the Galactica to run to Earth. They, so if they keep on trying, like if they keep attacking them, they're still they're scaring the Galactica to run. If but, they don't attack them, the Galactica will be like, well, why are we running?
2: But the Galactica is trying to get to Earth as fast as they can because they don't have an unlimited. Only supply because
0: of, the Cylons are attacking them. No, I don't think they're gonna
2: just diddle daddle onto Earth. It's not like they I have think they supplies would. Have, they to, would have
0: stayed on New Caprica if the Cylons didn't attack them.
2: I don't think so. I think some of them probably, if the Cylons disappeared. Some of them would have stayed on New Caprica, but I think some of them would have said those believers would have said, "Let's go find Earth," and yeah. then, you, then you would have had a spin-off show called Galactic Earth.
1: It might be that there's factions within the Cylon hierarchy. Like the Cavils want to get rid of them, and some of the others don't, and maybe there's just it's all political. You can, you can stop being a Cylon now. Okay,
0: by your command. By your command.
1: By your
2: command. There you go. You have to do it with a snot nasally. <laughs> By command. Which is pretty
0: easy since we both got colds.
1: The rescue mission, uh, I thought their plan was okay other than the fact that it seemed like they intentionally blew up a raptor just so they could float over to the base star. Like when they encountered those two raiders, it's like, okay, here we go. And she starts flipping switches and starts auto-detonating the raptor. And I'm like, again, what's with this let's just use this piece of hardware you yeah, have a limited amount of stuff. Why they could have
2: done that better. They could have had they could have jumped in like they did and they could have just flown by and as they were flying by, you know, the marines or whatever could have jumped out yeah. like they do in our world. You know, right. the boat goes by and the, and the seals jump out of the wall off the boat into the water and they swim to shore. They could have done something similar. As soon as they're out, it just jumps away. Exactly. You know, like flies away, and, the, and then the raiders chase it, and then it jumps, and the raiders are like, oh, okay, it jumped away, and then they go back to battle, yeah. and then those people are like slingshotted to the base start. Yeah, that made little sense. It is. It's a waste of resources. It's not like you can go home and build a new one.
1: Yeah. It's like they've already lost one raptor when they the science team lost it, and now they're going to race another one. Basically, they want to save a few people. I guess it goes back to Damas. We can't let this happen again. But if if that's the case, just do what Lee was saying: is destroy the ship and leave it at that. Yeah, we'll, I, we'll, we'll lose a couple people, <clears throat> but in the end, we were destroying this big base star.
0: What was the what was the need to destroy the base star in the first place? Did they need to? Well,
2: you're already there.
0: Why? It wasn't if harming if, well, anybody. Lee said something
2: like, "No, but a base star eventually could become the base star that tracks you down. I mean, you don't want to leave your. It's like in uh, Saving Private Ryan, right?" Tom Hanks lets that one German guy go, and later
1: on, a German guy shoots him. Okay, and to me, that's a beta version base star versus a modern battle star, the Pegasus. I mean, they, and shouldn't they should have been at been like, least
2: noticed that it's different. They, they may have not notice that it was a older version or a newer version, but like it's different. I mean, Who they should have get rid of it.
1: Pegasus, we've seen handle two base stars before, and it, it escaped, and then of course, Micaprica, it didn't, but. It should have been able to handle this one ship. So, to me, it was sort of... They should have not gone with this rescue plan and been like, just take it out.
2: Yeah, some science people went to look at some sort of supernova star or whatever. I think in the situation in which they are, the science team should not go explore some star. You know what I mean? By themselves? No, ever. (laughs) I mean, like, imagine this. You're... You're on an aircraft carrier in the South Pacific It's the middle of World War II The Japanese are all over the place And the science team comes up and says Hey, there's an island over there And through our binoculars we could see that there's some really cool yellow birds And we want to go look at them (laughs) So the aircraft carrier says Sure, take a dinghy (laughs) Just go out there, check out the birds (laughs) Who does that? It's so unrealistic. You don't you don't go on an exploratory mission
1: during a war. The only thing it, <laughs> it,
2: it doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the only thing that could possibly explain it and you have to like check the timeline of when this stuff happened was if they're going to check a NOVA, you could be saying that maybe at that time Adama was looking for what eventually led them to the Eye of Jupiter planet or well, whatever. they should have said that. Yeah, Say Exactly.
2: This Nova is similar to Nova Scotia, which is on Earth. So we should go look at this Nova and it might lead us to Earth. Yeah. Instead of
1: making it sound like a complete science mission. You're right.
2: You're right. You know what I mean? I mean make it tie it in. You know, I mean, I mean bring bring true. those stories back. Like, I mean, this that would have been perfect. To say that Nova is similar to the eye of Jupiter and it's the eye of, you know, Pluto, and we need to go and that would have made sense, but just to go look at a little yellow bird, it doesn't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> It's stupid. I mean, mm. right? I mean, no, my analogy right. is the only. I just I pulled that out of my butt, but that's the only thing I could come up with. It's like you know, middle of war. Or we can forget about World War Two and aircraft carriers. How about right now in Iraq? It's not like a convoy of Marines is going somewhere and a science guy is like, "Hey guys, I've never seen that kind of cactus before. Let me walk across the desert and go check it out." <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> It just makes me angry because, you know, we're not professional writers. When they're sitting around in that room pitching stories, they should be thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And how hard is it to say the science team went to look at... Su- because it's... Uh, Jupiter, right. yada yada? I mean, it, it's a total of like 20 extra words right? that they could have thrown in. But it's they, so simple.
1: But they do deserve eight cents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I considered doing a commentary for this episode, but... Uh, just don't have time, and I don't want to spend another minute watching Kane. So, can we do a commentary
2: and just cut out the Kane parts? It'd be like <laughs> cutting Jar Jar Binks out of Star Wars,
1: right? What I did is I just wrote down a bunch of things that if I had done a commentary and I was talking over some of the scenes, these are things I would mention as the scenes are playing. I would have mentioned that the treadmill scene seems sandwiched in because she's on the treadmill as Shaw arrives, and then Shaw arrives inside the CIC, and Kane is there already, buttoned up and showered and fresh as a daisy. I would contrast the lines when Kane says, button up, and Lee says, you're out of uniform. I thought that was good writing that they had the two different uh, lines there. The shot of Adama rubbing the oil or slash blood of the Cylon pilot, that was a callback to the minisodes when young Adama killed the Cylon and uh, touched the liquid on his gloves. I liked when Gina came in for dinner and Kane says, speak of the devil. I thought that was a good line. <laughs> I would draw the comparison between Adama's speech during the miniseries when he says, what we need to do is we need to take our resources, the human aspect of it, and so say we all, versus Cain's, look around us, it's the bulkheads, it's the machinery, you know. She basically drew a comparison, like, to her, everything was about the ship and not the people, and that led into the, the so say we alls. And just going back to that, Fisk says, kick silent ass, which again reminded me of in the miniseries, Chief said, let's go kick some silent ass. I kind of think that was an intentional line thrown in. Geminon was brought up again because Gina's last name, Shaw said, was Geminon for Resurrection. It made me wonder if that was a Minisode reference because the ship was from Geminon that it was captured. Starbuck, when she says, isn't it great when a plan comes together? Total A-team reference. Of course, Dirk Benedict, the original Starbuck, was... On the A-Team. <laughs>
2: I love you, Brian.
1: Uh, Hudson was one of the members of the away team that went into this ship. I was like, Hudson, that just sounds like an alien's name. And sure enough, a couple lines later, someone says, keep it frosty, which is totally an alien's line. Now, here's one that I think is kind of key. When Starbuck is flying in her Viper to go find the ship, she has a thing where she says, nothing to the left, nothing to the right. That, to me, is a, another reference to a Dylan song. Jokers to the left of me, Jokers to the right, stuck in the middle. So that to me is another uh, singing Dylan reference. One thing I found interesting was they had a lot of sports analogies and sort of earth slogans tossed in. They said, take the ball and run with it. The best defense is a good offense. And then another one was the Starbucks singing 99 bottles of ambrosia. <laughs> that one was, I thought that was funny. So those are just some of the things that had I done a commentary, I would have sprinkled those in. So now I don't have to do one. Anything else you guys want to talk about in there to conclude our discussion?
2: I thought that the uh, movie title was weak. Not the name of the movie, but the actual graphic of the yeah. title on the opening splash screen. It was white, mm-hmm. sans serif, razor, and then it turned red, sans serif, razor. I think that they should have used the Battlestar Galactica font. I don't know. I just thought it was weak. Yeah. You know, that's your title page. You need to awe your people. Show some cool graphic at the beginning and then go into the show. All right, great time.
0: I'll go first. Okay, I'll give it a give it a C. I'm sorry, <laughs> it was okay, but it wasn't. I didn't watch it twice. I only watched it once, <laughs> and I don't think I ever need to watch it again.
2: I agree. I gave it a C, and it's not because uh, the Kane character is so evil. I just there were just so many holes in the story. If it was just on her character, I think she acted very well. She herself as a character can get an A, but the show was a C. Just too many holes and too many many of those, well, they did this just so they could do this at the end of the show. Right. They had to do this thing. It doesn't really make sense, but then they do that.
1: When I first saw it, I thought, eh, I didn't love it, but I'll give it a B. But the more I prepared for this show and us discussing it, it went down B-, and then it went further, so... I have to agree with you. We're in consensus. It's, to me, a C. I think the thing I originally liked about it the most was I just had not seen Battlestar in so long. I was very happy to see something new. I liked the effects a lot. They obviously did a lot of cool stuff with the whole dry dock sequence. And by the way, there was a uh, second Battlestar that was docked there, which they didn't show too much of, but there's some other cool effects. It was cool to see the old Cylon stuff. That was nice. But like I said, Kane didn't like... We mentioned earlier that I felt that it was too much of not knowing which story they're telling. Is it the Kane story? Is it the old Cylon Guardian story? Is it Kendra Shaw's story? And just too many little holes and problems. And so, yeah, the Tough Galactic Quorum is giving it a C. Sorry. Sorry, folks. Well, I don't think we need to apologize. Just, I'm not apologizing. I'm just we saying it. I'm
2: sorry. No, oh, I did, didn't I? I'm not sorry. <laughs> I give it a C and I'm not sorry. <laughs> hey, a C is a
1: passing grade. Yes.
0: Depends on what school you go to.
1: You can graduate, but you just can't get a job. <laughs> but if you'd like to give us feedback or agree with us or disagree with us, please send us a line at gquorum at gmail.com. Or a voicemail number, 206-350-6756. And just offhand, I know we have a few listeners in Australia, and if you happen to have been familiar with Stephanie Jacobson's work, that's the actress that did Kendra Shaw, just drop us a line or send us a note. I'd be curious. Just, you know, give a background on her. I guess until next time then.
0: Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> so say we all. The only thing I didn't
1: get a chance to do was, I didn't get a chance to transcribe the teleconference with Kendra. Shaw.
0: Oh, we could do that for next time. Holy criminy.
1: I know, but like, I wanted to have everything ready,
0: but... Oh, it doesn't have to be perfect. Well, here's the thing,
1: Brian. uh uh-huh. How
2: many pages do you have there? Well, let's see. 20. Don't, was... you... Don't lie. Just... How many pieces of paper do you have? I have... <laughs> but, come on. Just say it.
1: <laughs> I have... Well, this one doesn't count
2: Just, just say how many pieces of paper... This did... is the... How many uh... pieces of paper did you bring into this room? Six. no okay. no six six okay you brought six pieces yeah. of paper in you <laughs> like to keep your podcast to half an hour this one's gonna And go you more. didn't transcribe something how are we gonna keep this half an hour it's not gonna this is gonna we're go supposed more. to be
0: going more I'm, I'm sure
2: it's gonna be well more. I'm just talking I'm just I'm I know having a you're conversation giving a hard time. with Brian I'm giving, I'm sorry yes I'm, having, I'm giving you a hard time and, and don't defend him when I'm doing I'm that. am not I'm sorry <laughs> all right all right kick it